Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church family. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful May Sunday morning. Thank you so much for wherever you are, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, in your living room, uh, hanging out with us today. Go ahead and grab your Bible, a secondary device, as we dive into the third part of our series this morning. But before we do that, I just want to invite you again, as uh, Calvin just did, to partake of our first Wednesday. What we are doing last month, we did a food um, drive to be able to bless our city Uh, to help some people in our city that are struggling with food and just to bless them. And then we're going to do the same thing again for the month of June. We just want to be a blessing to our city. So we're going to be posting, again, like he said, a barcode to Tim's. Now, this is all the honor system. And I know some of you might be struggling with thinking, you know, I'll just pay for a coffee for myself on this barcode. Don't do that. Pay for somebody behind you. You pay for your own uh, coffee or whatever it might be. You could probably get Tim's points though if you have a Tim's card, Uh, but go ahead and pay for that person behind you, and we're just going to create a bunch of good acts around our region, and then again, we're starting our legacy series next month. I'm super excited about this. You don't want to miss all four Sundays in June. We're just going to be talking about the legacy that we have as individual believers, the church, what God has accomplished through here, the city church, and what is looking forward for us. So join us for each Sunday in June. And again, also, we're going to be moving at some point in the future uh, to be gathering live again. And I want to encourage all of our city team members to get ready uh, to serve again here in our building. And also, if you maybe feel like a part of our church and you have never served on the city team, go ahead and email us at info at the citychurch.ca and say that you would love to serve. Somebody on our team will get back to you and love to get you placed uh, when we are back uh, gathering together in person. All right, let's just pray this morning before we dive into the Word of God. God, we just love you so much today. We thank you for your Word, that your Word reveals to us who you are. God, that is our desire, to move closer to you every day. We thank you, Lord, for your grace to minister your word today and grace to listen. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. All right, this is part three of a series that we have called Centered. And when we think about a center point, it is a point of balance. It is a point of concentration. And we think about God centering our lives. He reminds us of what is important and what our lives are all about. Now, when we think about the idea of centered, uh, in week one in the series, we talked about sharing our life with God, not having God on the peripheral of our lives, but at the center point, and that God actually wants to fellowship with us. We, we don't want to take all of our disciplines, what we should have, Bible reading and prayer time and worship time and, and gathering together on a Sunday, and not just make it formulaic, but we actually want to have fellowship with the Father. And this is something we can do every day, all of the time, sharing our thoughts, sharing our worship, sharing our moments high and low with God, and, and God um, just being at the center point of everything we do, loving Him and trusting Him. And then we ended that week, you know, uh, 
having communion together. And communion reminds us about Jesus, which brought us to week two, which is last week, um, just centering our lives on Christ, that Christianity is all about Jesus. Uh, what separates us from other world religions is Jesus and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul said, without the resurrection, man, we are hopeless. Our faith is irrelevant. So Jesus should be at the center point of our lives. Jesus was prophesied and thought about and talked about all the way through the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, and then him dying on the cross for us and God resurrecting him. So. All of those messages are available on our website, and you can catch up with those. And today, we're going to be talking about centered on the Word of God. Now, we know Jesus is the Word, um, but when we think about um, Christianity, followers of Jesus, obviously, our source material is the Scripture. It is the Word of God. So, we're going to be talking about the Word of God today, focusing on the Word of God and how important it is to us. Now, when we think about the Word of God, the Scripture tells us that the Word of God is eternal. In other words, it is forever. It's not going away. Scripture says it's forever settled in heaven. The Word of God gives us life. The Word of God gives us health. The Scripture talks about that the Word of God is actually medicine to us. That the Word of God is the power of God. It gives us direction. It gives us the path to relationship with himself. And then it is for us the mechanism of transformation. That when we uh, enter into a relationship with God, he's changing our thoughts and our minds. And all of that is going to happen through the Word of God. Now when we think about the scripture and we go back to the very beginning of the book of Genesis. And we see that God created with his word. In the beginning, God, the scripture tells us, and then all of the things that came to be in existence, all of those things happened because of the power of the word of God. The highest thoughts, the highest ways, the most powerful words in the universe come from the mouth of God. And then we see in creation that God's word brought order to chaos. God's word brought order to chaos. You see that at the very beginning, and this will be true for all time, and this is what God's word will do in our lives. And when we see the word of God, who is made flesh in Jesus, that Jesus is referred to as the word, that he showed up, and he saved us, and he dwelt among us. So the word of God brings order to our lives. The word of God, Jesus, brings salvation to our lives. The word of God showed up in the midst of a dark creation. And then when Jesus was manifest in the time in the history of Israel, it was a very dark moment for them. It was a very dark time for them. And Jesus showed up, the Messiah, the word of God showed up in the middle of that situation. And there was power brought to bear on the moment. And just as we're starting with those few thoughts, See, this is what the Word of God does for us in our lives, shows up in these dark moments. Are we aware of it? Do we esteem the Word of God? Do we go first to the Word of God? I'm going to apply the Word of God here. Why? Because the Word of God brings order to my chaos. The Word of God shows up and saves me. See, when we think about the Word of God, we are to believe the Word of God. Believe what God says. Sometimes we can take the Word of God out of the context of relationship, but when we think about somebody that we trust, 
Maybe our mom, maybe our dad, maybe a close friend. Those people that we think about in our lives, what do we say about them? I, I trust you. I believe in what you say. Why would we not do the same with God and his word and what he says about our salvation and what he says about our lives and what he says about our future and what he says to us are his promises? Do we believe what he says? What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray the word of God. That the the prayers that get answered are the ones that are based on the word of God. So we're supposed to be praying God's word back to him. We're supposed to be speaking his word. God, what do you say about this situation? What do you say about this time in my life? What do you say about this difficult time in my life? That we should be speaking the word of God. And as we said, we should be transformed by the word of God. Not just remain in our own thinking. See, we're all going to be programmed in certain ways and different ways by the culture around us, and that is intended to transform our thinking, but we should be transformed by the Word of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, centering our lives on the Word of God. Think His Word. What does God think about this situation? What, what do I see the principles in the life and ministry of Jesus? As I just posed, watching a situation that would happen in my life, watching the news, watching something that would happen on the internet, and just gain insight from that, instead of bringing the insight of the Word of God to every situation of life. God has already spoken about all of the problems in the world. Do I come from the place of the Word of God? What do you say about this God, as opposed to what they say, or what this talking head on television might say? Or what some post might say. God, what do you say? I want to think your thoughts. And then finally, we want to live the word of God. And this is where the power of God shows up in our lives. It's what it says about Jesus, that the word of God came and dwelt among us. That Jesus was the word of God made flesh. And that should be our desire, that the word of God should show up in our flesh. In other words, in our lives, the lives that we live every day, not a Sunday thing, not an online thing like right now, but every day, all of the time. That the power of the word of God is when we live it out. Not just leave it on the table till next Sunday or think about it every couple weeks or when something really bad happened to me, man, I really got to find something now. That we are living out the principles and the ways of God every day, all of the time. That we are centering our lives on the Word of God. Why would we do that? Because we trust Him. We know Him. We know what He has accomplished for us. So I center my whole life. I center my marriage on the Word of God. I center my parenting on the Word of God. I center the way that I am a friend on the Word of God. I center the way that I am in this world on the word of God, and I live it out. And that's where the power is, and that's what we see in Jesus. That's why he was powerful. He was the word made flesh. And that's our goal. We're never going to be perfect like Jesus, but we can take the thoughts of the word of God, and we can live it out. Scripture says, your word is truth. Now, I know there's a big contention in the world today, and we hear this 
phrase used over and over again, and it's like, this is the question, well, what is your truth? And really, what people are meaning by that phrase is like, well, what is your experience? Now, all of us have different experiences, and our experiences should be subject to the truth of the Word of God, because the Word of God can help us in our negative experiences if we struggled in our experiences. In other words, somebody did something to us, or I had a bad experience based on my own choice, the truth of the Word of God will bring salvation to my experience. So we always look to the Word of God for truth, not just in ourselves and not just in our experience, that the actual truth is transcendent. It is eternal. And the nature of it saves us. Our experience doesn't save us. It most likely could depress us because we made a bunch of mistakes. If If I were to tell you my truth about all of the mistakes that I've made in my life, I would just live forever depressed. But the truth of God's forgiveness lifts me out of that. It lifts me out of the mess of my past. I'm not going to stay in the so-called truth of my past, but I want to live in the truth of the Word of God. God, your Word is true forever. And it saves me. It loves me. And it cares for me. Psalm 119, the whole psalm is all about the Word of God. Verse 49 says this, Remember your word to your servant, in which you have made me hope. Verse 50, This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. The insolent utterly deride me, but I do not turn away from your law. When I think of your rules from of old, I take comfort, O Lord. Hot indignation seizes me because of the wicked who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my songs. In the house of my sojourning, I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and keep your law. This blessing has this blessing has fallen to me that I have kept your precepts. Here's some principles here just in these very few verses in Psalm 119. God's word gives me hope. God's word paints a picture for me about my future. Because I know God loves me and cares for me and has saved me and is going to be directing my path. That his word gives me hope regardless of my current circumstances. It comes from his word, what he says. God's word, what he says, comforts me in his promises. And we could look at our circumstances and everything just seems stale and old and a struggle, but I have comfort in the promises of God, what he said about my future. And I can trust his promises. God's word is good and strong in the face of opposition. What he says, how he helps me, how he gives me power to live my life because we are going to face opposition in this world. But the word of God comes and gives me strength. But the word of God gives me songs to sing, something to have joy over, that I can sing about the goodness of God, that I can sing about the faithfulness of God, that I can remind myself of who he is. And then the blessings are in the place of of obedience to the word of God. When I obey his word and I walk in his ways, the scripture says there's blessings in that place. 
Don't we want to walk in the blessings of God? Don't we want to walk in the blessings of the Word of God? Man, we can trust Him. We can put our faith in His Word. See, God's Word is powerful, but it's a seed. We see this over and over again in the New Testament. This, this tiny little thing, this tiny little thought that is powerful. I, I want to find out what you think about me, God, what you think about my situation. And then it comes as a seed, and we need to hear it, accept it, and act on it. Mary, Jesus' mother, at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, when they, they ran out of wine, Jesus and Mary have this discussion, and there's some servants there. They're trying to figure out what to do because they don't have any, uh, any other beverages for all of the wedding guests. And some of these weddings would go on for like a week. And, and Mary gave some advice to all of the people there, the, these servants that were going to do what Jesus said. And, and this is a very simple advice for us. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And this should be the simple advice to us from Mary, Jesus' mother. Do whatever he tells you. As we read through the scripture, we know who Jesus is, that God sent him, that he died on a cross and he rose again, and all of that should be meaningful in our lives, and we should be looking to Jesus for what he wants us to do. Do whatever he tells us. To esteem what he says. To take it to heart what he says, so that we can live it out. See, when we do the word of God, God's power, his presence manifests to us. John chapter 14, verse 21 says this. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Simple advice here. How do we know if we have this affection for God, this love for God that we talked about week one, that we just love God? What do we do? We do what he says. And he who loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, you know, a lot of people have this backwards. They think, okay, God, if you just show up, if you show me that you're real, then I'll do what you say. But the opposite is true from the scripture. If we do what he says, he will manifest, he will show up in our lives. See, we are supposed to be yielded to him. He's not supposed to be yielded to us. Here, here's my commandments. I want you to do them, and what's going to happen? I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? In other words, not to the people who aren't doing your will. Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And this is what we want. We want God to make our home in us. We want him to manifest himself in our lives, to show up. How is God going to show up in our lives when we love him and do his word? See, that's what we're going to the Word of God for. We're not going to the Word of God for religious reasons. We're not going to the Word of God to try to impress somebody. Uh, we're not going to the Word of God to try to impress the pastor. We are going to the Word of God so that we can do the Word of God, that we can be obedient to the commandments, and then God manifests himself to us. Let me read this 
These same verses here from the Amplified. The person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved to my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him, and I will make, make myself real to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what has happened that you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, if anyone really loves me, he will keep my word, my teaching, and my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our dwelling place with him. And this is what we center our lives on. We center our lives on the word of God. And then the power of God, the grace of God manifests, shows up in our situations. When we're being obedient to what he says, and that's what we need. We need his power in those difficult times and we're just going to decide to trust and do the word of God, even when we don't feel like it. And if we can't see why this is important, Lord, I'm going to do what you said. I trust you. I love you. And then Jesus says God is going to manifest, show up, make his home in us. And this should be our desire. This is what we should want. The, the, the reality of the presence of God in our lives. And how did Jesus say it would come? Now, I I hear what you say, Lord, and I'm going to do it. I trust you. God comes and manifests himself. He makes his home in us. So we need to have his word and keep it, and then we need to honor it. We need to honor the word of God. Give place to the word of God, and not just any old place, the first place. Give the first place to the word of God, the thoughts of God, the ways of God. Not from the news report, not from our political persuasion. God, what do you say? I'm going to place that first. I'm going to honor what you say. There's a story here in Matthew 22 that gives us an indication how we should think about the kingdom of God, the word of God. Matthew 22 Verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field again. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Do we think about the word of God that way? Do we think that the word of God is that valuable, that important? Is it the thing that's going to save me? Is it the thing that's going to save the world? Is it, is it the thing that's going to save our culture? Or is it just thought, some thought that I can dream up? No, it is actually going to be the word of God. Do I honor the word of God like this? That I would sell everything else and honor the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God. See, it's so important for believers in this time to honor the word of God like that, because it is so easy in our current setting to be a cynic and a critic. And I know, and the reason I know is because I've lived in this space. It's just easy to be a cynic and a critic, to tear everything down, to not honor anything. But here, it, the, the key for us is that we would honor the word of God, that it would be the most valuable thing in our lives. It would be number one. We would center our lives on it. We would center our thoughts on it, 
We would center our actions on it. We would center our lives on it in every way, our families. God, the thing that you say is the most important thing to me. See, the word of God is the holy agent of change on the earth. Holy, H-O-L-Y. When we see what the word of God says, we, we can bring change in our families. We can bring change in our situations. We can bring change in the world around us. See, anyone can look at the darkness and say, it's dark. But we see, if we go back to the original creation, God looked out on the face of the deep and he said the opposite. He said light. He said the opposite of what was there. Do we honor the word of God like that? Or are we just another cynic and create, oh, this is bad, this is bad, this is ugly? I can repeat what I see. No, the word of God is used in a very different way. We can look at a person and find all of their mistakes and all of their struggles, but it takes a person who has faith in the word of God to see the best in that person and to say, I'm going to love you anyway. I, I know you've got this wrong thing going on. I know you've, you're struggling with this, but I'm going to love you anyway. To see the value in a person. Why would we do that? Because we see the value in the word of God. We know how much God values people. We just don't write people off. Why? Because God doesn't write anyone off. God sent his son because he loves the whole world. So I don't write anyone off. I don't say anybody's too far gone. I don't make that judgment. What do I do, man? I just love them because I know God does. He says in his word. And so we want his word to rule in our hearts, to govern our lives. Finally, a couple more verses. God says something about you in his word, and then he says something to you. Abraham, who is a, a famous character person in the Old Testament, and when we think about Abraham, we know that he's the father of faith, and we celebrate him. And what I love about the Old Testament, what the Old Testament does, they Old Testament, the writers of the Old Testament don't pacify any of the mistakes that all the leaders made in the Old Testament. Why is that? Because then we can identify with them. Hey, they were perfect. They never made any mistakes. We'd be like, I don't get it. But we can look at the life of Abraham and we can identify with it. He had a litany of mistakes. He lied. He disobeyed. He committed adultery. He lied again. So many different things going on in the life of Abraham, going against the wishes of God. And then God, in that moment of Abraham, when he's done all of these things, God still has something to say about Abraham. God's word. See, God makes a declaration about you. And then God, here in these verses, makes a declaration about Abraham. When Abraham was 90 and 9 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham, even Abraham, after he had done all of these things wrong. I said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and multiply you greatly. And Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. 
And you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations and kings shall come from you. Abraham, who had made all of these mistakes, God said something about him. And then all of these blessings are going to come from Abraham. And see, God says something about us. See, we all, like Abraham, have made a bunch of mistakes. And in the middle of that, God shows up and still cuts a covenant with Abraham. He does the same with you because of what Jesus has done. And he calls us his children. He calls us his sons and daughters. God says in his word that you are his beloved child. That you have an inheritance not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. God's word declares it. And that's why we live from the foundation of the word of God. Otherwise, all we have is ourselves. Otherwise, all we have is our thoughts and our mistakes and whatever the culture around us can produce. But the word of God is eternal. And God looks at Abraham's situation and says, your past is not going to define you. I have something to say about you. I love you and I care about you. And I still want great things for you, even though right now it's hard and you've made a bunch of mistakes and it's a dark time. I have something to say. See, God's word always lifts us up. The word of the enemy always pushes us down. That's why I live my life based on the word of God. That's why we should live our lives based on the word of God. What does God say? This is what God says about us. And then God says something to us because he said something about us. Luke chapter five, verse one, story with Jesus and his disciples. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's. He asked him to put, on, put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing. See, we're going to get to the good part of the story here. But here Jesus is showing up and Jesus is telling Peter something. And Peter is thinking, Jesus, you are an expert on this. We are the fishermen. See, and this could be our attitude. We could be like, Jesus don't you know it's 2021? We know that you said this, and we know that your word said this, but we get it so much better now. 
See, if this is our attitude, we are disregarding the Word of God. We're not prioritizing. We're not centering our lives on it. It's not number one to us anymore. And then we are left to our own devices. But I'm so glad Peter didn't do that. He showed us the way. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Uh, Jesus, I know that I'm struggling in my marriage right now, but I know you have something to say about it. Jesus, I know that I'm struggling in my finances right now, but I know that you have something to say about it. Jesus, I know that I'm struggling in my parenting and in my friendships and my relationships right now, but I know that you have something to say about it. Jesus said, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Jesus, what are you saying to me? At your word, I will do it. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They filled the boat, uh, both the boats, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter realized, even though he was going to disregard Jesus' words there in that moment, he did it anyway. And then he came down, and he knelt down at his feet, and this should be our heart posture. Just kneeling down at the words of Jesus. Yield our words to his words. Yield our thoughts to his thoughts. Because what happens after following the word of God, man, it brings unexpected results. I don't understand this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then also following after the word of God brings blessings to others. See, not only did, did Peter get blessed, but he said, called his partners and both boats were filled. Why? Because they did the word of God. They did the word of God. They did the word of God. They obeyed the word of God, and God manifested himself in the middle of their situation. They just did it. They just obeyed. Last verse, Isaiah 55, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth and shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word succeeds. And it does two things. It gives seed to the sower and bread for the eater. So there's something to do, and then there's a blessing when you do it. When you sow the seed, when, when we're living according to the word of God, and in God's word, his presence and he shows up, and he accomplishes his intentions. When we do, and we say, and we live out the word of God. Let's just pray today. Father, we just love you today. We are so thankful for your word. God, your word is eternal. Your word is unchangeable. That your word has what we need. God, today, again, we set our hearts to esteem your word. 
forgive us if we made it secondary. Forgive, forgive us if we put your voice aside. Forgive us if we've just stared at our circumstances and said, wow, it's dark. But again today, Lord, we affirm in our hearts the centerpiece of your word to us, that there's power in your word, there's life in your word, there's health in your word, there's forgiveness in your word, there's direction in your word. There is your blessings in your word. God, we as your children, as you have called us that, we choose to be obedient. Because God, we want you to manifest yourself to us, to make your home in us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you are watching today and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with God, you know, sometimes we, we talk about having a relationship with God. We kind of feel like Abraham that we talked about today. We kind of think, you know, I've made so many mistakes. I've done so many things wrong. Would God actually want to have a relationship with me? And the answer is yes. That God calls out to all of us. He wants to have a relationship with all of us. And then he made a way for that to happen doesn't depend on our goodness to have a relationship with himself. He sent Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and he rose again all so that we can have a relationship with God, with, uh, with him. And it's called righteousness. All we have to do is say yes. It's a gift God offers to us. And all we have to do is say yes to that gift. So if you're watching today and you have never taken that first step, to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer and I invite you to pray along with me. So wherever you are watching at home, your kitchen, your bedroom, wherever it might be, just bow your heads, bow your heads and close your eyes and you just pray along with me today. God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to a relationship with you. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and your word. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.